We did PNC and then I think we did Nationals Park and I think we were at Hagerstown. And then I like ended up seeing, it was like Brooklyn Cyclones were in there, Staten Island Yankees. And then the last game I went to was a Mets game. And it was just a regular, regular season Mets game. But it's like at the end of this, all seeing baseball every day. And I was sitting right behind third base. And I was like, me and David Wright on speaking terms as far as I'm concerned. It was somewhere around the third or fourth inning. And I was just sitting there. And it was just a real moment of zen out of nowhere where it's like, I can't be enjoying this any more than I am right now. What's up, Bucketheads? Welcome to episode number 32 of the Baseball Bucket List podcast. I'm your host, Anna Tomaso, and each week on the show, I speak with a different baseball fan about their favorite memories, what's left on their baseball bucket list, and what the game of baseball means to them. This week, I got a chance to speak with Michael Rusignolo from Jersey Heights. Michael's a big-time baseball traveler who's been to several different countries, seeing teams from pretty much every professional baseball league in existence. I don't mean just the KBO and the NPB. I'm talking about the even lesser-known leagues like the Australian Baseball League and the Netherlands Professional League. So if you're curious to know what baseball and baseball culture around the world are like, this is the episode for you. On top of that, Michael gives us some insight into his favorite experiences and minor league ballparks, as well as his game day routine, and of course, those favorite baseball memories. Before we dive in, I want to remind you all that Official League has officially launched. You'll remember from last week's episode with John Ryan that Official League is running limited edition hats, and I have to say they are absolutely beautiful. Make sure to check those out at officialleague.co, where you'll have a chance to be a part of the historic first run. Now, without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy some baseball banter with Michael Rusignolo. Michael, thank you so much for being here today. How are things up in Jersey Heights? Uh, They are cold, but otherwise okay. I really appreciate you making the time to do this. I know that we've got a lot to talk about, so I want to just get rolling. Can you tell me how you got started with the game of baseball? How'd you fall in love with the game? I like so many people or at least so many people my age, because I know it's kind of changed a little bit, or I think it has recently, but fathers to sons, you know, my dad was a big Yankee fan growing up, you know, as his father was. And, you know, he got me into baseball. And of course I'm of an age when I grew up, uh, it was a lot bigger thing when it's the uh, late seventies in New Jersey, every kid is playing little league. And, you know, I certainly was no different there, but obviously I've taken this to a slightly different extreme than most people. But, you know, it was just, you know, my dad, you know, got me interested in it, watching games with my dad, being over at my grandmother's house, you know, on her little black and white TV while she's making meatballs and everything on the weekend. We're watching, you know, the ball game. And, you know, that's how it started. And it's certainly kind of spiraled out of control, more or less. (laughs) Yeah, I love that that origin story there. I especially like the ones that have these personal memories tied to them, you know, where you can, it's almost like you turn on a ball game every night and you're almost transported back in time to being there with those people who mattered to you. And so that's a, that's a cool story. You mentioned you've taken it to a a pretty extreme. (laughs) Yeah. Kind of tell us, I mean, I want to get into the baseball travel, but give us like the 30,000 foot overview of your baseball fandom right now? So, well, right now, I think it can all be summed up on sadly on hold, but where I've 
gotten to it's like i guess it's been you know what is it seven countries have i've gone to all of the teams in the various professional leagues i'm working my way through the minors which are sadly diminished these days i did get in the interim you know after vaccination you know this year i did get to do a little bit of traveling but you know i'm looking forward to the day when this all gets a little bit more back to normal and i can pick up traveling around again. And I've got uh, my next stop is actually trying was going to be the Italian league that was going to happen in the summer of 2020. That didn't happen for some obvious reasons. Um, but you know, that's certainly the next big one on my hit list as well as to getting around all minor leagues and stuff. Yeah. So talk about the seven professional leagues. So obviously the MLB is one you've got your KBO. I mean, the thing I, I always wanted to go and do the MLB and over a course of a couple years, I did some trips and I saw the MLB. And then it was like, I didn't want to stop traveling for baseball and seeing all the teams. It was kind of fun. And it was like, I had always wanted to go to Japan. So it's like, Japan's got a baseball league. And like, you know, that was the beginning, middle and end of it. Because as soon as I did over the course of two years, I went to Japan. I saw all the teams in the MPB. Then it was just like, okay, let's just keep going. So then, you know, the Korean League, the Taiwan League, and then, you know, then you get into like the advanced stuff because then I ended up going to Australia, the ABL, and I can only do that because I had a um, sabbatical from work because I had been at my company for long enough. I had a month and I'm like, I'm going to fly to Australia, which takes a day. It's going to need to be a month to do that. And saw all the teams in the ABL and then the Netherlands I did, I want to say three years ago, but not numbers and time have kind of lost meaning. But it was 2019, I went in class. saw all the uh, teams in the Dutch semi-pro league. I've never had the pleasure of talking to someone who has been to Australia for baseball or the Netherlands, I guess. We've had a couple of people come on the show and discuss you know, the environments in Mexico and Japan. What is baseball like in Australia and the Netherlands? Yeah. So obviously after the Asian in Asia, baseball is like the number one sport with a bullet and you know, the way that they interact and embrace with it is completely different. Obviously Australia, the Netherlands, those were the first two countries that I went to where it was very much a minority, you know, Australia, obviously cricket rules the roost down there and, you know, uh, rugby of various iterations, but you know, the Australians are a very sporty people and the, uh, the Australian baseball league, the ABL, it's, it's a minor concern down there. When you go there, there's only like a couple hundred people that come to the games. There's a lot of expat Asians and Americans that actually attend the games down there for some you know obvious reasons. And it, it's a different sort of thing. It's a lot more casual. But one of the things that I've loved about like, you know, seeing baseball in all those places, and you were talking about Mexico and certainly for like, you know, Central South America that I'm looking forward to is like, you know, the baseball culture. And the way that they their fandoms embrace the sport is completely different. In Japan, it's like a really kind of regulated cheering thing. In Korea, it's just beer-soaked mayhem. And like, you know, <laughs> Taiwan is certainly somewhere in the middle. Um, but like, you know, with Australia, it was kind of really low-key. But, you know, also, it's odd to say, but like, you know, very Australian, very casual, not formal. Like uh, at certain games between innings, they would have an MC come out and kind of explain what the different stats were. At the end of games, like everyone at a lot of the parks, everyone just comes out on the field and you just kind of hang out. And it's like you can talk to the players and the coaches and everything. 
because, you know, they're very much, you know, trying to get up interest in the sport. And it's certainly a lot less as regulated than it is in America. So it's just like a very casual sort of thing. And it was like, you know, in that case, it's like, you know, really kind of fun. You're like talking to the players and stuff like that. One of the players that I met down there, I eventually met in West Virginia because they, some of the players down there, they'll play down in Australia and then they'll play in the summer in the uh, minor leagues in America. So I saw a pitcher that I'd seen down in Australia and I saw him in uh, West Virginia of all places. So it's kind of weird. Cool. Yeah. And the yeah. Netherlands is the Australia, Australian, same, same situation. It's, it's, it's even more so. It's a very minority sport. A lot of the baseball interest in the Netherlands comes from, obviously, their Caribbean possessions. But they have, and it's a club sport, very much so. It's semi-pro. There's a couple of teams that pay their players, and I think they all get a stipend. I'm not sure how it specifically works out. But all of their fields are in these things called sports park. Um, and they have, and so it's like all the different things, like your tennis courts. And then there's like, you know, the baseball section, most of them are arranged like minor league stadiums in that there's the top level stadium. And then around it, they have, you know, the fields for like the junior level players or like, you know, even the children's leagues and, and the softball for, you know, the places that play it and for the, you know, quote unquote, major league games. Like you'll start out, there'll be like, you know, a small crowd. And then as the games on the other fields let out, they all come and they all watch the the game. So by the, you know, later innings, you get all the people that are coming from the surrounding area too, to watch it. Oh, that's great. That sounds a lot like, so I, I live in North Texas, which is like a hotbed for soccer. And it's, it's kind of set up similarly here where especially like the indoor teams, you know, there'll be like a large field and then surrounding that are smaller youth fields. And then it's exactly the same thing. When the game is over, you can walk down onto the field and you can get autographs signed. And um, they're really trying to get kids more involved in soccer and it's working. So I hope that that means good things, you know, coming for Australia and, and the Netherlands and their their baseball followings and, and talent field. Yeah, I mean, certainly, I mean, the, the Australia's been in the news of the last couple of days because of the female pitcher, the uh, the manager of that team. Now, their, their season was canceled by COVID, but they've been playing scrimmages and stuff like that. But I mean, it's, they've been getting big uh, news from that. Uh, and, you know, even after I left, like in the last couple of years, they kind of expanded teams. So, you know, the league's expanding down there and it was doing well. Well, obviously, like everything else, we'll have to see how bad the COVID situation affects things. But it was certainly, you know, expanding even after MLB, which had been involved in the league for a long time. The year before I went down there, they kind of pulled out officially. And there was a question on would they be able to to uh, survive? And, you know, they're expanding. So that's certainly great for their uh, interest down there. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like all of these different locations, all of these different cultures, they have a different feel to the game, um, mm -hmm. depending on where you are. Is asking you if you have a favorite kind of league or you know area to be a fair question or is it just like no way they're all too different they've all got their own quips and and characteristics they they all do but i will say and you know there's been like you know experiences in all of them that have like you know been great which is why i continue to do this uh the japanese league the mpb certainly holds a special place in my heart um a just cuz it was the first foreign league that i had ever seen and the culture shock is tremendous mm -hmm. and you know just from the just from the intensity and like you know their fandom there is kind of 
equal, actually equal to kind of the mythical fandom that people talk about with baseball in America with the 50s and that everyone was a baseball fan and everyone was kind of hanging on. That is actually the case in Japan. And just a couple of experiences there that I had, because I have a team in Japan and they won the Japan series this year. And who is it? The uh, Tokyo Yakult Swallows. Okay. And super excited. And the reason that I became, I found out later that the Swallows were essentially the Mets of Japan. So it was just like, oh, okay, so that's how it's going to be. But when I was there, the first time I went to a Swallows game, I was sitting next to this this young girl. She was been 13 or 14. And it was like the second or third game I'd been to in Japan. She was living and dying by every single pitch in this game. And I was just like blown away by the intensity that she had to the point where it's like, okay, I'm on board with her. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to root for the Swallows. And then, of course, I found out that I'm rooting for the Mets again. But they won this year and uh, very exciting. But another thing, it's like the Tokyo Dome, which is the home of the Yomiuri Giants, which are the Yankees of Japan in every single way to a thousand. There was a game, their big rivals are the Henshin Tigers. And the last game I went to on the first trip, I think it was, was at the Tokyo Dome. So Giants Tigers, that giant dome stadium was filled with both of their fans. It was the most intense regular season game I have ever been to. And like the game went back and forth, like the lead changed like four or five times in the late innings. And it was like the end of the world, the cheering and the counter cheering and the singing. And like, at some point I'm just like, everyone's just going to rush the field. There is no (laughs) way you have this energy level. And like, everyone just like, doesn't do something about it. But I mean, those two things are are kind of like, you know, jump out as far as the Japan thing goes. And, you know, it always has a special place in my heart. But as you said, like, you know, every single league, every single place is different. And I find, you know, everyone's interaction with baseball is been interesting enough to me that I'm dragging myself all around the world to see it. I want to back up for a second because you said they are the Mets and the Giants are the Yankees. You yeah. mentioned your dad was a Yankees fan. So are you a Mets fan or was that like a tongue in cheek? Like, oh, the Mets. No. So I'm a Mets fan. Okay. Lord help me. <laughs> um, brave soul. Yes. <laughs> well, certainly recently, but we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens under new management, right? Uh, we'll see how this pans out. No, I grew up in a Yankees household and the, the situation, uh, how they treated Yogi Berra was significant enough for me at the time to, and like, you know, right when I was entering my teen and rebellion years, it's like, no, I'm not going to stand for these injustices. And, you know, certainly at the very start of that, that worked out for me. It's been less so now, but obviously I take this a little serious, more serious than most. And it's like, you know, not something I'd go back on, but yes, I come from a Yankees household. I do support the Metropolitans and I did end up supporting the Metropolitans in Japan and they have managed to win their title before we have. So I'll take what I can get. Yeah. <laughs> Don't be picky, right? <laughs> okay. So how many ballparks have you been to in total, if you had to guess? Oh, I, I don't need to guess, which yeah. is why I keep such good records. It's 197. And I have like a lot of people, like meeting a lot of people who've done these ballpark trips, or, or ballpark collectors. I don't think there's a really established terminology around it, but everyone has their little rules for it. And I certainly have mine. And that's why I can know. So it's like, I have to see a game. It has to be the home team. 
I have to see the complete game. I have to score it. I have to take pictures and I have to write it up. That's a lot. I mean, that's very official. So you've, you've definitely earned all 197 of those. Yes. Have you ever missed a game? Like, have you ever missed it because you got <laughs> rained out in the fourth inning or something like that, you know? So yes, uh, short answer. Yes. Long answer. Yes. So certainly weather plays into it, especially on the uh, foreign trips. I try and leave myself some wiggle room. There was uh, one rain out I had in Korea that I was, I had an extra day for that I could fill in, but like rainouts, minor league baseball rainouts, like there were a couple, uh, unfortunately in the contraction, they're gone now, but there were two minor league rookie league teams in West Virginia. Princeton, it was the Princeton, the Bluefield Blue Jays. So Bluefield and Princeton are right next to each other. One is like right across the border from West Virginia, but there were these two minor league rookie league things. And they, they had like a, a, when they played each other, they have like, they fight for a cup each year. It's like greatest things about like, you know, the highest risk of the lowest possible um, stakes, but <laughs> it took me four tries like four tries on four different trips to get to to get a game in at Bluefield because it rains there all the time and I don't know how they got their their seasons in. But yeah, the first time I ever missed a game though, or ever missed a game or had a rain out. So I had an incredible streak of things. All the MLB teams, no problems, or like, you know, the games got in. My first trip to Japan, I was trying to go to a game and I took the wrong train. And I went to the wrong place and I couldn't make it in time. And that was when that was my first failure on all these trips. And then I just went and then it's just like I I was defeated and I went into a bar next to the hotel and I went and I just, you know, was was drinking with like, you know, the salary men, the corporate employees there. It was me and this guy next to me. And like, you know, somehow we crossed our language differences. And I just had like a night just drinking with that guy. And, you know, you know, that kind of worked out. I would have liked to have seen the game, but that one will always be a memory because it's just like, I took the wrong train and I didn't realize until we were between really far between stops that I had taken the wrong train. It's just like, Oh yeah, it wasn't meant to be, but you got back to that park then, right? You uh, Yeah. This yeah. The second trip I, I went back and I double and triple checked. But yeah. yeah, it's it's unavoidable. I mean, the weather happens except with dome stadiums and like especially with international travel, things are weird. And, oh, even the last trip, 2019, I went to, you know, in uh, the Netherlands, I went to a night game and I got to the park and I found out that the game wasn't at the park because not all the stadiums there have lights. So I like went and it was the Oosterhout's twins. I'll remember this for the day I die. And I got there. And like, you know, there was nothing going on. And I was like, oh, this doesn't seem right. And it was like youth league practices. And I, there was a, there was like a mother there who was just like, you know, you look confused. And I explained the situation. She's like, oh no, we don't play our night games here. We play the night games at the park that has the lights. And it's just like, oh, okay. (laughs) Oh, you know, I got to watch, I got to watch some Dutch little league and like, you know, the mom drove me back to the train station and everything. So, you know. Even the failures, there's, there's, it's, it, there's some, there's always something to redeem it. Yeah, some silver linings, I guess they call those. So you mentioned the Swallows being your Japanese team. Do you have a team for each of the leagues, or is it just kind of sporadic? Like a lot of things in baseball, it's all about it, it, the intangibles, I guess. Like I said, when I it was like the second or third game, and I sat down next to that 
young lady and it was just kind of like okay this is what men's to be it's like if, if she is going to like go home like crushed because this team loses i have got to go in there when it went from there it's like korea i sort of had an affinity for one of the teams there and there was only four teams in in the in taiwan at the time and like you know with the abl everything was kind of so low stakes that i'm not sure i I actually, I guess if I had to do it, it would have to be the Calvary because they let me throw out the first pitch at a game. So, oh, cool. Because they found out I, I had met up. So, like, you know, one of these things, it's like I was earlier in the trip, I was sitting next to this guy and, like, you know, because just where the seats were. And it's like I was sitting next to him. And it turns out that he was born in America, but he came to Australia and he was involved with the sports. And it was just kind of like, oh, what are you doing? And I told him, it's like, okay. I'll meet up when we go to the Calvary, which is the last game on my trip. And, you know, when I got there, he like took me around. He let me in early and all that kind of stuff. And then he's like, oh, you're throwing out the first pitch. I'm like, well, hang on. What? And he's like, yeah, no, you're throwing. I told everybody that they, they think it's cool. And like, you know, they did a little announcement about it. And like the, they gave me a jersey and a hat and everything. It was really cool. But then it's like I ran into the thing where it's just like, OK, I can't bounce this. This is like, you know. Not just my own personal honor, which I'd be terrified about bouncing a pitch, doing a first pitch, but it's like, you know, representing America here. They let me play some catch with one of the players before I went out there. They announced everything. I didn't bounce it. Um, Excellent. And and like, you know, so throwing out a first pitch at a ball game is off of my bucket list because there you go. Yeah, that's awesome. You did America proud. Very nice. I try. (laughs) Do you have a best baseball memory? Like, is there something that really sticks out in your mind? Oh, I mean, all best. Then you start getting into what qualifies as best. Obviously, game six, 1986. Dear God, you know, can't shake a stick at that one. But I mean, it's like some weird ones. Like when I before I did the the official baseball trips, I did this um, proto trip where I went with a friend of mine and we saw like we I wanted to see if it was even possible to do. So like we did it's like some minor league games. We started out, I think it was at PNC Park and like we made our I made my way back to New Jersey. So it's like we did PNC and then I think we did Nationals Park and I think we were at Hagerstown. And then I like ended up seeing it was like Brooklyn Cyclones were in there, Staten Island Yankees. And then the last game I went to was a Mets game. And it was just a regular regular season Mets game. But it's like at the end of this, all seeing baseball every day. And I was sitting right behind third base. And I was like, me and David Wright on speaking terms as far as I'm concerned. And I j- and like it was somewhere around the third or fourth inning. And I was just sitting there. And it was just a real moment of zen out of nowhere where it's like, I can't be enjoying this any more than I am right now. Yeah. I've had experiences like that that seemingly like come from nowhere. For me, it's always something about like the weather is perfect. You've got maybe a beautiful sunset going on and you're just nothing else matters in the moment. So that's cool. I think that that being able to pick those smaller moments is kind of what baseball is all about. You know, like I'll always remember the big, the big moments for my team and, and those exciting things, but Every day at a ballpark is a good day as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but like I said, like uh, with all the things and like, you know, that was, you know, decades ago at this point. And it's just like, but it just kind of goes and it's like the, the little flashes of things like 
the second or third ball game I ever went to was my dad took me to Yankee Stadium. I know they were playing the Orioles that day. You know, I was able to look it up and they did, in fact, lose. But like, you know, there's just a moment there where he splurged and he got downstairs seat, which I'm downstairs seats, which like, you know, in the, the mid to late 70s, I'm sure cost upwards of twenty dollars. <laughs> and, you know, just a moment of that where it was just like there was like a foul ball that like arced up and over the uh, the the big net that they had at the time. And I remember that, too. And it was like, that's kind of a cool memory. But, yeah, it's the little idiosyncratic stuff. But, you know, obviously there's the big moments to Bill Buckner forever emblazoned in history. I know for all the wrong reasons. I mean, like, you got to feel bad for that guy, you know, like to a to a degree. But um, he was always, I, from what I've known, he was always very gracious about it after the fact. But that's an incredible clip. It gets through Buckner or it gets by Buckner, whatever whatever he said. What a crazy moment. Yeah, for years and years and decades and decades, you're able to torture Boston fans with that. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. They've, 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 in recent years, they've gotten their due. Yeah. You're, you're right about that. Do you have a favorite minor league park of the ones that you've been able to make it to so far? That is also a big question because the minor leagues, as you know, what a lot of what makes the minor league park so special is kind of like, you know, very individual things. The Reading Phillies, from an experiential standpoint, I don't think you can beat that. Um, the historic ballpark there that they've built up to, you know, modern standards. And, you know, talk about dinner and a show. They've got like their 12 mascots and there's the pregame show and they've got their, you know, all the games and stuff in the, in the park from strict entertainment value. It's just like, yeah, you got to give it to the Reading Phillies. Uh, certainly the Brooklyn Cyclones, you know, obviously Mets farm team. So it's like, you know, there's there's that in as well. But I mean, right in Coney Island and being in that park in the dead of summer, a night game when the heat goes away and that sea breeze comes in. That's pretty nice. Other parks. I know they only really use it. They don't really use it for the regular games anymore, but they do special games. Rickwood Field, uh, Alabama. Amazing park that, you know, it's just kind of like, well, I wish that. I mean, I know why they don't use it, but they, yeah. they, I hope that they use it more. They've been talking about doing like the Field of Dream games, the, the field up in Patterson that they're renovating. You know, they got to go down to Rickwood and do a game there. They start doing that as well. I think that would be fantastic. Oh, that would be great. That'd be amazing. Um, minor leagues. But uh, obviously Durham Bowls, just for, you know, once again, location and uh, experience. There's a brewery in the stadium, for the love of God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you're right down Durham, you're right downtown Durham, right next to, um, you know, that big co- the tobacco complex that they fixed up. You know, work-related, I, had a, I used to have a client that was right down there. So it's like, you know, during the summer, it's like I was always volunteering to go on client trips because, you know, oh, okay. And if I should happen to catch a ball game while I'm down there, that would be awful. That's great. You've got to keep a scorecard, right? That's part of your, in order for the ballpark to count. Do you have any other kind of routine that you follow? Like, are you trying to get there early and walk the park? Do you check out the merch? Uh, Are you like a foodie? What's kind of the, the game day routine? Yeah. So this is like how crazy I want to admit that I am, but as far as it goes, yeah, I've, I've certainly gotten into a routine with these things and that 
I yes, I'm getting there early. As when the park opens, I am going to be there, and certainly before, depending on how it goes. So it's like, what do I do when I get to the park? Well, normally when I'm like, I do these normally on trips where I'll go and you know every day I'll be at a new park and like I'll be going, you know, go to see a game, go to the next city, see the thing. So it's like whether I check into my hotel and I'll whether I have my tickets or it's like I go to the park and pick up the tickets. And if I do that first, that's when I'll take all the pictures of the outside. If not, I'll be getting there early before the gates open to go. I love walking, especially minor league parks, love walking around. The back of minor league parks are the most interesting places in the world to me because you can see, like, you know, the rigs they have set up for the fireworks, the leftover fireworks, every single rain-drenched batting practice ball you could ever possibly want, and all the stuff that they just throw back there. It's like, you know, extra seats, old seats, you know, I, I lost track of the stuff that you, you know, find back there. But I all around the outside of the park, take pictures, I get in when the gates open, and then wander, walk around, take all the pictures of the inside of the park and then while i'm walking around and taking all those pictures you know checking out all the food stuff so you know after i do my like lap around the park and if i have to do a lap around upstairs it's like then i'm gonna grab my food it's either grab the food and watch batting practice or hit the team store grab food and then watch batting practice uh depending on how hungry i am and how crowded the team store can be and then it's just getting like, you know, half hour before the game starts. My butt is in the seat. Uh, I'm filling out the scorecard and then I'm pretty much not moving until the game's over. Yeah, because if you're scoring, you got to keep an eye on everything. So especially yeah. uh, in the minors where you don't have the fallback of picking up your phone and what was that last play? So, um, yeah, or or even, you know, especially in the foreign leagues where you're doing translation on the fly as well. My proudest scorecard moment was getting Japanese umpires, being able to write them down. I wasn't able to translate the name, but I knew enough kanji that I was able to go because most of the parks had the umpires. And I like writing down the umpires because when I have a beef with them, I like to address them by their names. <laughs> but you know, it was certainly that thing, but, and like, you know, in Japan and Korea, Taiwan, it was certainly, there's some translation working out as well. And, you know, the, 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 the saving grace is that they have foreign players some of the times, and that's what you can use as a key. Every time I go to a different country, I certainly learn, try and learn enough of the language at least to get by. But like, when you're looking at a scoreboard, it's like, how do I do that? And then like, you know, there'll be an American player up there and it's like, oh, I can use that. It's like, oh, that's what that is. And then work it out from there. Yeah. It's like one of those Sunday newspaper puzzles, right? Where you're like yes. unscrambling everything. That's pretty cool. So, I mean, you've, you've been to a ton of games. You've been to a ton of parks. You've seen some really cool things. You've thrown a first pitch. What's left on the baseball bucket list, like what's the one thing that you still really are just after and want to check off? That's World Series of Victory in person. <laughs> um, I've crossed off the the seeing a World Series game in person, and I limited that until the Mets were in it. So I had to wait a while. But that year I did go and I watched <sighs> that happen. But so a Mets World Series victory in person is certainly up there. I've seen the All-Star game because I waited for the All-Star game to go to City Field. So I've seen that. So, you know, certainly Mets victory in person. I with these trips, 
there's a possibility of never stopping um, because then, you know, I wanted I, like the next on the, the stop was uh, the Italian league. And, you know, we're going to have to work that out. And then like, you know, there's, there's South, there's all those leagues and like, you know, South of uh, the border and, uh, you know, doing all of those as an experiential thing, like, you know, like a bucket list type item. It's like, I'm not, I'm trying to think it, it's like so many of them have been checked off and, Boy, that feels like low key bragging, but I, it's like, you know, I, the, 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 the first pitch, it's like, I would have never thought would have done. It's like, oh yeah, I did that. And I was catching a foul ball. Oh, I did that in Korea. And I don't know, just keep the, the Mets world series. I'm going to keep reiterating that because I'm talking that into existence, but outside of that, it's, it's just like keep them going until I've seen like all of it. Yeah. I love that answer. I mean, I hope like you said, there's a possibility that the trips never stop. And I hope that's the truth. You know, I hope that uh, baseball becomes more and more of a world game too. And maybe there will be new leagues for you to go check out and new teams to go back and see, I'm sure as some of these other leagues expand and new ballparks here in America too. So there'll be plenty to do. I know that. Uh, there's, there's always something new. If people want to kind of follow along with these trips and want to peruse the archive of ballparks visited, how do they find you online? So here's where I show my age because I have a blog, um, <laughs> which I'm sure there's a lot of people out there don't even know what that is, but it's uh, baseballoogie.blogspot.com is uh, the blogger. And that has links, same name under Flickr. I am trying to start up an Instagram, but that's more trip-based as like, you know, live as I go. And unfortunately, we're not there yet, but we'll see how that ends up. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait. Like, I, I genuinely cannot wait for <laughs> just making a decision to go to a ball game and being able to just do it without like a second thought. So I can't wait. I hope soon and shortly we'll all be... Back to the way things should be. I second that. Yeah. Well, Michael, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate the time. Fantastic stories. Loved the perspective from the international games and just a lot of fun. So thank you so much for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. And that will wrap up this episode of the Baseball Bucket List podcast. Special thanks to Michael Rusignolo for joining us today. If this sounds like something you'd like to do, if you think you might like to be a guest on the show, head to baseballbucketlist.com slash podcast and fill out an application. Make sure you take some time to explore the website and sign up for a free membership. We've created and built so many special tools to help you plan your next baseball adventure. We've got a baseball bucket list tool where you can create and track your own baseball bucket list items. And of course, our famous ballpark tracker where you can pen each of the ballparks you've been to. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next episode.